0: Please.
1: Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also, become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy.
2: What was it like uh, working with Johnny Gill? Cool. Uh, we went
0: to school together. And uh, he lived in the same neighborhood. Um, so he used to come over to our home. And as I said a few minutes ago, we used to have talent shows in my basement. And uh, this particular day that he came over, he used to ride his bike over. And I didn't have a clue that he could sing, you know. So I heard him singing. In fact, he he says, well, can I be in the talent show? And I was like, sure, absolutely. So he comes downstairs with the, my other friends and he sang a song. I can't remember the what song he sang at the time, of course. But um, I could not believe how mature his voice was. He sounded like he was an older man. He was only like 15 years old. He's a year older than me. So I was like, what in the world? So i never forget, I went upstairs and I, and I shared with my mother um, how amazing his voice was. So, and she came downstairs and she said, well, will you sing for me? And he sang for her. And my mother couldn't wait to get on the phone And contact the people over at Atlantic Records, Uh, Henry Allen and some of the other people there. And um, so she contacted Henry, if I'm not mistaken, and Henry contacted Johnny Boogie Gill. That's his name. That's what we call him. And um, so Henry asked him to drive up to New York. And he, him, and his family drove up to New York, and he was signed to Atlantic Records. So that's how his career began. And then he went on to be with New Edition,
2: mm-hmm. right? And um, you stayed friends, or
0: yes and no. Uh, um, I don't really talk about it a lot, um, but we did date for. I was 16, from the time I was 16 and 19, we dated. Um, my mother didn't know. My mother was very protective of me. So I would sneak around. I got. I bought my first car at 16. So yeah, um, we dated for a brief time. And I decided to break off the relationship for a reason I, I don't want to discuss. So that's what I did. Um, I broke off the relationship with him. And um, I married my husband, and felt that it was the right thing to do to um, cut the ties. And so we we're we actually just we're we're cool now. I'll say that we're we're cool now. But the new edition biopic um, that was aired maybe five or six years ago was brought to my attention. I didn't see it. One of my, one of our mutual friends saw it. And um, she brought it to my attention that there was a comment that was made, I believe, on the second day that, um, I think it was Ralph that asked him, whatever happened to you with Stacey Saw I heard that you guys were an item. And um, he was kind of, Pulling at his wrist, his his arm, I did see that part. And uh, he was implying that it was because of the color of his complexion, that he was too dark, and that was so not true. He said that um, her mom didn't like me because of this. And I was crushed. I was I was so hurt once again. I was I could not believe that the person that I helped that we discovered in, in our basement had put that negative energy out there. And um so I we got on the phone with our attorney and we wanted to find out if BT would retract that statement because it was not true at all. We're not racist people, we never have been. And um, I literally had to go on my social network pages and block a lot of people because people do not and still not still do not know um, why I broke off the relationship. And um, they were saying unkind things to me, accusing me of being a racist person. So once again I had to deal with something that was wrong that was so not true and um I don't even like talking about it but um it's the reality that's 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 what happened
2: Well you know um you mentioned about being bullied when you were young and then of course in the internet age there's a lot of you know online Uh, Trolling and bullying that goes on—that's very unfortunate too. And um, yeah, yeah. so but this show is called Truth and Rhythm, so it's your forum to set that record straight, and um, you know, so that's appreciated that you can get the truth out there. Um, That
0: is true. We're not racist people. I I I chose not to share the reason why. I broke off the relationship. I don't need to share that with
2: anyone else. No, it's totally your rights to, of course. Yeah. Um, But I think it was evident, you know, during that perfect combination era, there was definitely some chemistry, I felt. So uh, it makes sense that, you know, you guys hit it off like that back then.
0: mm -hmm. Yeah, we were were cool. Like I said, we went to the same school uh, here in D.C. So. Mm -hmm.
2: In your last, was your last record or second to last, you had Brown Mark from uh, Prince Revolution uh, doing a lot of the production? That was sort of... I think
0: he wrote, I think, did he write one song or two songs? If I'm not mistaken. I think he wrote, um, I can't remember the name of the song, but he was very gifted, very talented. But I never heard, I never heard any more from him. I don't know whether... I don't know what happened, but yeah, things just got quiet. But he was very, like, very gifted, very talented.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I want to move on to the next uh, sort of chapter of, of your life and talk more about that. But um, before I do, is there any single performance or maybe t- a couple from, you know, the 80s that just stood out to you as being particularly unforgettable for you? Mm interesting
0: uh, I guess I would say the Jackson's tour you know there there were there were so many nights that we would watch Michael perform and um, it was just amazing to see that many people um, I'm sorry I don't know what that noise was it was so amazing to see um every show was sold out and um there the, there were young ladies there that were literally fainting you know in the front row and i was like oh my gosh are they okay and they had ambulances on each side of of the building it, it was michael jackson was was amazing he was incredible he he really was incredibly gifted and talented and um i remember very clearly and it's just something that i will never forget when i turned 16 um i got a phone call i was outdoors playing with my friends and my mother called me to come inside and she said someone wants to speak to you on the phone and um i didn't know who it was so she handed me the phone and um i hear this voice nice tc And I was like, who's this? This is Michael. I was like, Michael who? Because I knew I wasn't allowed to talk to boys. (laughs) Like, what in the world? (laughs) So, yeah. I was calling to wish you a happy birthday. And I put the phone down and I just screamed. I was like, oh, my gosh. This is Michael Jackson? Michael was calling me to wish me a happy birthday? Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it. Mm. And then they, they, they sent me flowers, a bouquet of flowers. That was amazing that he took time out of his busy schedule to call me and wish me a sweet 16 birthday and send me flowers. You know that, like I said, that, that was a, that was a beautiful moment for me. Mm. I'll never forget that. Yeah. That was so special.
2: Yeah, there will never be another Michael Jackson. Ooh. No. Did did the management ever um, put you on like a, a concert bill where you felt like you were like out of your element or something like that? Like a weird matchup with someone that was kind of, you know, not in your lane?
0: Uh, not really. Uh, I remember doing well, it may have been one or two, but not very many. I think it was um some rap artists, but I can't even remember their names, but I just I kind of felt that the two I didn't think that there was a good match for an r and b singer to perform along with a rap group rap artist. I'm sorry, but uh, as I said before, I don't want to put any names out there, but yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably
2: wrong. Um, that was how probably you, how would you describe your singing uh, changed or matured um over the years?
0: Um how would I describe my my style, my voice changed.
2: Yeah. I mean I felt like you certainly sounded and it makes sense, you sounded a lot more womanly, like toward the later years, you know, and and just sound fuller and I thought more of a richness to your Mm -hmm. tone. Um, I was just curious how you saw that.
0: I saw that, and and I felt that as well. Um, I think it was toward the time when I sang, I did a song and a video by a gentleman named Ron Kersey. And the song was entitled Every Drop of Your Love, right? And, um the video was we had so much fun doing that video um they they rented a big huge mansion somewhere and um I think it took us two or three days to um to complete the video that was that we had we had great we we had a ball but um yeah I think it was during that time when I began to... Still, grown (laughs) and i sang grown (laughs) so i guess it came across in the song and the video that i'm not a little girl anymore you know and um so yeah that that was around the time for me when when i realized that that change had had happened in, in my voice and in my songs and you know, and even even the way I dressed, I I still always remembered that there were little girls that were listening to my songs. Um, or I'll say young ladies that were watching me dress, um, and listening to the lyrics in my songs. So I wanted to make sure that my image was clean. You know, that that's what that was important to me it was very important to me but obviously it wasn't important to a lot of other people because the music industry was starting to, to make that turn where you know the videos are more
2: provocative over the pro- top provocative
0: absolutely
2: yeah
0: before I just was not going to engage in that so i said hey this is not this is not for me
2: so i walked away Yeah, well, you weren't the only one. I mean, there was a lot of transition like that into the 90s for sure. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was unfortunate. But uh, when you did walk away, um, what was the reaction from those around you, those that maybe understood and supported you, and maybe those that were just completely thinking, what are you doing?
0: Well, I did I had family members that didn't understand. Um, and I did lose some fans along the way because, you know, they didn't quite understand the change that was taking place in the music industry. And because of them not knowing what was required of me, um, as I said before, I lost some fans along the way, but I at the end of the day it didn't matter to me. Because, you know, my my character, my integrity, and me being a woman of God meant more to me than the music industry or any amount of money that was offered me. And 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 if I had to go back and do it all over again, I'd do it the same way because I know that my relationship with God is more important to me. It's priceless; money can't buy it. I've met a lot of, a lot of people that are materially rich, but they're spiritually poor. That's why sometimes we, you know, you hear on the radio or watching the news, how someone in the entertainment industry took their life. And, um, Sometimes these are very wealthy people, but these are people that are unhappy. These are people that they they have acquired so much. They they they've reached this place in their life where you know money can't make you happy. There are a lot of things that money can't buy, and I know what that's like because I was depressed for a very long time, and. I tell people all the time that it's okay to not be okay, because that's where I was. I would try to fill the void in me with a new pair of shoes, a new piece of jewelry. Um, I'd go shopping and just buy a whole lot of things, because I was a very unhappy individual. and. I dealt with it the best way I could, but I eventually started seeing a therapist and the therapist was able to uproot some things in me. Right. And, um, sometimes I just feel like, this is my opinion. I never try to force my beliefs on anyone. Um, I feel like we were all born, with a void in us that only God can fill. So we as people, we try to fill the void with things or a person or a thing or a place. But God created us to have a relationship with Him, meaning the material, the material things can go. I don't I don't care if you if if you buy the biggest house in the world that money can buy. You 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 you've bought 20 cars or you bought every Rolex watch that there is, you know, that there comes a point in time where those things will no longer it's like a temporary joy because I know firsthand what it's like. It's a temporary joy that you get when you buy something, as I said, or some things, right? And then the next day or two, you're back in that same place. You're just and pacified.
2: I, yeah, temporarily I, pacified. Yeah.
0: Depression is a disease. Depression is something that no one really wants to deal with or talk about. But I talk about it quite often because I want people to know I know what it's like. I've been there and God brought me out of that dark place. And I share my testimony every chance that I get because I feel like God is no respect of persons. What he does for one, he does for the other. I tell people all the time, if you feel that you are depressed, and it's so many people in the world today because the world is in a bad place. America is, in my opinion, has lost its way. And... It's something that y- you you need to talk to someone. Don't try to cover it up. Like for me, I try to cover it up. I walk around with a smile on my face. But at the end of the day, i cry myself to sleep at night. And it, was so, it had gotten so bad for me where I did not want to lift the shades because I didn't want the sun to shine through. Okay. So I know what it's like to be in that place. But. As I said before, I worked through it with a therapist and I was able to connect with God through prayer. And that's when my breakthrough came. And that's when I said, you know what? When I tapped into a relationship with God, that's what was missing in my life. And um, it wasn't long after we recorded the unsung story. Um, my phone began to ring off the hook. There were people that were uh, pastors that were calling me um, about speaking at youth conferences, speaking at women's conferences, speaking at uh, Sunday morning church services, because they wanted me to share my story. And um, I'm very transparent when I speak. And I make it very clear that depression is real. It's something that has to be dealt with because if not, then you'll never be happy. You'll never reach your purpose. And I believe that God connects us to our purpose. You know, and I know for me, um, as I said before, I never wanted to sing on a professional level, but that brought me to the place where I am today, which meaning I'm now a minister. So I help other people to reach their God ordained purpose. As I said before, I love to work for children ages 12 through 18. I have a women's empowerment program. Um, and, and I think that God used those dark times, those unhappy times, those happy times, those uncertain times. And I think that a lot of those things, the pain that I endured, the hardship I endured, the money that was lost, the bad management, <laughs> the, the bad um the, the bad situation in which the record labels, you know, held up royalties for over 40 years. You know, I endured a lot of pain, I endured a lot of suffering, I endured a lot of hurt. But all of those things that I endured, I am able now to share that story and to say. Well, God brought me from there to here, and he can do the same thing for you. But you have to connect with him through a relationship with him. So, as I said before, I'm an evangelist. And most of the things that I do, I I travel outside of um, the Washington, D.C. area. But I love helping people. That's just who I am. I love to help, I love to inspire, I love to encourage, I love to pray for people. There was a point in time when um, my phone was just ringing off the hook where people were just calling me because I do this face Facebook thing where it's called praise and prayer, right? And I asked people to share their testimonies um, in which how after we prayed, how God showed, the, or God answered the prayer in the way he wanted to answer it, right? So at the end of the day, it's all about being a light in this very dark world. And I try to be a light because we have so much darkness going on. So, so much evil, so much hatred, so much division. And um, in fact, my company, my company's name is Believers Building Bridges. So that's what we do we help to build bridges.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, congratulations yeah. on your journey and uh, so much credit to you for, you know, spreading all that um, goodwill and
0: I, um I certainly do.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um and man, depression is all too real. Um I've had a lot of it in my family. I'm not going to name names. Um but um you know, I've been exposed to it throughout my life. So um mm-hmm. you know, there's always Uh, Hope out there and, uh, you know, never lose faith, whatever, you know, whether it's God or something else um, that's um, positive. Never lose faith. Um, There's always a better tomorrow. Never
0: never lose hope, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, I feel like, I know for me, just kind of being stuck in that place, feeling stuck. Right. Where. My situation is never going to change. And that's what I thought. But as I said before, even even the Bible says faith without works is dead, meaning we use our faith. But God still wants us to do something to try to move toward getting better. Right. Meaning that we're worked. We have to do work. We have to work toward it. And that's when I said before, you know, whether you're talking to a therapist, whether you're going to church, talking to a pastor, getting counsel, that's, those things are important. They're very important. Mm -hmm. Very important.
2: You know, I had a guest on um, just a few shows ago, Alta McLean, who uh, really made a, she left music too back in the early 80s. Yeah. Just ever since then followed, you know, God and um I don't know if you know her, but she was married to uh Skip Scarborough, the famous R and B songwriter. Um she was uh ultimate Clane and Destiny, they had a big hit song, like in 79, somewhere around there. But um yeah, so she left. She's done gospel uh music since uh to some extent. And uh they have a church together, they had a church together, but um There's a lot of, especially on the R&B side of the industry, uh, performers that end up, you know, really kind of devoting a good chunk of their life, you know, to Mm -hmm. God. And, yeah, there's a very tight relationship there. Um, Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I had a really good conversation with Atlantic Star. um, Gosh, what's his name? Very humble, very down to earth. Wayne... I'm sorry, I'm the worst with names. I can't remember his last name, but him and I had a very good conversation. Um, A few months back, uh, we connected on the Instagram chat thing. And I've always been a fan of Atlantic Star. I love Atlantic Star. Oh, my gosh. One of my favorite groups. Um, Sometimes I'll just get in my car and I'll just play their music. It's just it's timeless. It's absolutely beautiful. It never it never gets old, you know. So he was sharing with me.
2: Uh, Lewis, some, Wayne Lewis. Yeah, the yeah. Lewis brothers. Yeah. That's him. Yeah.
0: And he was sharing with me how um he had given his life to God. And um if it wasn't for God, he don't know he doesn't know where he'd be, you know. So yeah, it's 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 a lot of people that, you know, when you're in that industry, they call it a cutthroat. R and B industry It's so very competitive, um, and and I've heard people use this term: "You're only as good as your last record." <laughs> How about that? <laughs> but as, you know what? Yeah, I'm at a point where my in my life where you know I don't even care about you know what people say anymore. People's pen- opinions don't matter. It, it used to bother me what people said about me. You know. <laughs> Uh, why? Wh- why would you walk away from the number one record? Blah blah blah. blah. So, you know, I never forget. Also, I got um a. We were at our recording studio. This was years ago. I'll never forget this moment. It was so funny. Oh my gosh! I just happened to be over there, and one of Nas. He's he's a rapper, right? Yeah. Nas manager or one of his team members contacted our recording studio and they wanted me to come on tour with him and perform. Let me be your angel. It was either let me be your angel or love with the two way street. One of those. And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, "Hmm, wow, it's an interesting opportunity. (laughs) I wonder if I should, I wonder if I should entertain this, god told me no
2: God said don't do it what year was that do you think
0: that had to be at least 10 years ago at least 10 years ago yeah so i declined the offer but, you, uh, have, you, have, you,
2: have you ever um you know performed any of your hits for you know folks
0: yes i have i i actually um It was a few years ago I I performed. And and sometimes I will still sing Love on the 2A Street. Uh, I've had a few events where I was invited to sing. Um, They requested for me to sing Love on the 2A Street. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But as far as, you know, going back on the road, because there was this one producer in... California and he he called me at least three times he he unboxed me several messages and he wanted me to come to California and offered me a really 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 nice sum of money um to do some shows there I think it was like six shows all together and um like I said it was a huge amount of money and I prayed about it and God said no don't do it and um because I realize every opportunity is not God ordained and um I choose to follow God's way am I perfect no I'm par- far from perfect but I try to live an obedient life and um I just believe that 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 for me that that's important for me so.
2: did, did your mom um how did things end up with your mom is she still with us um if not yeah. so she got to live vicariously though through your singing success right i mean mm-hmm. and how yeah. did she take that you did she understand you wanted to walk away
0: oh yes yeah, she understood it she was okay with it because <laughs> she and i we, we 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 rode that crazy roller coaster ride together and um it wasn't easy for us it wasn't easy at all. I remember, you know, I, I I was performing three or four times a week and, um, it it took a toll on both of us, but by the grace of God, um, we endured and walked through those times, but they weren't easy. They weren't easy.
2: What would you say now if, um, you know, uh, when your children or when your grandchildren uh, said they want to go into the music business or into show business? Um...
0: Well, that's an interesting question because I've thought about that quite often. And uh, that's one thing I used to say a long time ago when I got married. I used to say, you know what? If, if I have children and my children decide that they want to sing, I want it to be their decision. I'm sorry if if i if if I noticed that our children was gifted to sing because I in my opinion, I, I don't think you can be taught to sing. I think it's a God-given gift um, so yeah, I was like, um, it's nothing that I would force them to do, right now, our daughter she sings she sounds just like me, she looks like me, um she can really sing, oh my gosh, she has a beautiful voice, and I'm not just trying to puff her up and put her put her on the pedestal but she plays the piano um she writes songs but i don't know what it is she doesn't want to do it on that level and i've never forced her to do so our son our son i'm sorry he um <clears throat> he writes songs um he actually wrote and produced some songs on... Let me make sure I get his name correct. Um, Raheem Devon. Yeah. Our son wrote and produced some songs for... Not this album that's out now. I believe it was the album before this one. Um, That's always been a passion of our son because my my husband was a songwriter producer. And um, so yeah, our, our son... Kind of got that gift from him. So that's what he does. But he my son can sing too, but he's never wanted to sing on that level either. And I never forced him to. You know, as I said before, I, I simply wanted that to be, you know, their choice.
2: Well, nowadays singing may be a detriment to having a music career. So, you know, the way it's gone.
0: Oh God. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um yeah. Well, um so when you wrote the uh, you, you did the book, was that cathartic for you?
0: Oh my gosh. When I wrote that book, it was very therapeutic for me. Um I laughed, I cried. There were good memories, there were some memories that were not so good. But um it was it was it was necessary to write the book. Um, I self-published it. um I didn't really get a lot of um assistance behind it. I reached out to some people with huge platforms um but these people didn't help me. So the book the book didn't do quite well, but the book is still available and and if one day God wants to, you know, do something different with the book. I'm okay with that. But um, I wrote the book myself and I wanted to write my own story. And it talks about my journey. It talks about everything. It talks about, you know, pretty much everything I shared already. You know, how, you know, I'm I'm very truthful and transparent in the book. And I talk about, you know, how I was living in Southeast Washington, D.C., it was not the best neighborhood, but it was not the worst neighborhood. We made the best of what we had. And um there were there were challenges that we faced, you know, at the age of seven, eight, nine years old. Um and um yeah, it those were those were interesting times. But yeah, the book was very therapeutic for me. I, I really enjoyed it. And um I think that um, I know for a fact that several people that purchased the book told me that it really inspired them. And um, I'm just glad that, you know, that I'm able to share the story and and the experiences that I went through, you know, as as a young child star, you know, and it's amazing because when I think back over... Some of the the things that I was able to do and accomplish and travel and which I did, you know, I I guess that's why nowadays I really don't have much desire to travel as I used to because I was I was um, given the opportunity to travel the world. And um, I remember I I did a concert in Africa. I was probably eighteen or nineteen years old. I'm you know what I mean. I may have been seventeen. And I had the privilege, the honor of meeting Connie Francis, and that was huge to me. I was like, oh my gosh, I performed on the same stage with Connie Francis, and um, that was amazing. She she was she had a beautiful spirit. I really, really enjoyed just being in her presence. Um, So, yeah, it was an interesting journey, you know, and uh, to be able to go to Japan and perform in the Yamaha Music Festival, I think it was. I think I was 16. And I won, I either won first place or second place. And they gave me it was a $20,000 gift, and they gave a beautiful Rado watch. Rado or Rado, One or the other. But that was a great experience for me. Um, Japan was, they, they I, I was just so amazed that they knew my song. I was amazed that they were sing the song along with me. I was like, are you kidding me? You guys know my music? It was such an honor. It was an honor at the age of 17. I'll never forget that. In fact, I had the pictures still in, in my photo album. Japan. Amazing. And then I did some shows over in um Jamaica, Bahamas, Bermuda. Wow, all those places. It, that, it was that, that, that was wonderful. It was amazing.
2: Who, who are some of the acts that you were doing those with?
0: Wow. I did shows with um, so many different people. It was a lot of people. The Gap Band, um, Teddy P- Teddy Pendergrass. Yeah, did shows with him. Um, I think I may mean, have did some shows with, if I'm not mistaken, Kathy Sledge. I love her, still love her. She's so sweet. One of the nicest people.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to them to get her on the show. Yeah.
0: Nicest, nicest people. Um, I did a show with um, Ben Breen, Spinners. Um, I think I did a show. Yeah, I did a show with Natalie Cole. Sure did. That's how I was able to meet her. We went to dinner at a restaurant there prior to the concert um what are some male groups back then there weren't a lot of male groups uh not around my age anyway but
2: well ready for the world um yeah
0: i didn't do any shows for that with them
2: midnight star all the stars were big then: atlantic star midnight yeah. star star midnight point <laughs>
0: yeah I, I did some shows with them midnight star um, yeah, just, just a lot of wonderful, wonderful groups. You know, I did a show with I'll be sure, I don't know if he remembers that or not, but um, and the moments I actually did a show, it was amazing. I did a show with them, right? And uh, they had already recorded Love on a Two Way Street, but Many people thought that that was my song. I was like, "No, this is a remake here." So I never forget. It was such a it was such a funny funny evening. Um, when they performed "Love on the Two Way Street," they didn't get the response that I got. <laughs> As I said before, because people thought that that was like the Stacey Laszlo original song. No, it was not. The moments recorded and produced. You know, I don't, I don't know who would produce it, but anyway, that that was their song, right? So it was a remake. Um, and then there was also, I remember there was a time I did uh, God Rest His Soul, James Ingram. He recorded a song entitled, I Don't Have the Heart. And I later on recorded that song as well, which was a beautiful song, Um but once again, radio stations didn't play it as they could have, um, due to lack of record label support. But anyway, but yeah, there there were lots of groups out there that, um, they were just fantastic, outstanding.
2: Any, any Luther?
0: Yeah, yeah, I sure did. I did. I think we did two shows with Luther Vandross, God rest his soul. We did. I think there were two concerts. I don't know where they were. Um, Yeah, I I did quite a few shows with Teddy Pendergrass. And if I'm not mistaken, yeah, Stephanie Mills came on stage and she performed some songs along with him. So I had the opportunity to meet her. But I was so young back then that, you know, I never really connected with any of these people. They were much older than me. Hmm. Yep. So it was, it was a very odd situation because I was a little girl, you know, performing on stage was,
2: you know. So did you I, have a you had a curfew and things like that?
0: I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> my mother was very protective of me, <laughs> as I said before. I couldn't even date. I, I was not allowed to date. So it was a situation where, you know, I had to kind of sneak around with my friends even though i had bought my own car i still had to sneak around <laughs> oh my gosh
2: did you do a lot of uh, article were the teen magazines still big then i know they were big in the 70s it
0: sure was it it sure was yep i think i did an interview um with that magazine but uh wow that was a long time ago T- time flies
2: yeah, and uh, time has flown just talking to you, I think, um, and I uh, appreciate all the time that you've spent.
0: Absolutely, Absolutely. you're quite welcome.
2: Uh, is there any, um, you know, websites or other contact information you want to give out to folks on some of those organizations that you were speaking about that you're now involved with?
0: Absolutely. Um, the website is currently being worked on is StacyLattisall.net. Um my office number for bookings is 301 485 8507 and um the you know what the ministry events i was going to say they could reach me through no because the website is is still down they can't reach me through that so, but the only way they can reach me currently is through the fan page On Facebook, I'm quite sure it's the same. I have not been on there in a while. But uh, my regular Facebook page is Stacy Ladisaw Jackson. Um, That one, I can be inboxed on the Messenger app. And I am on Instagram as well. I don't know if I'm going to keep that. (laughs) I don't like social media. I just... I just really don't. I, I've never been a social butterfly, but anyway, I may keep it for a while. Who knows? Uh, that is the official Stacy Ladasaw page on Instagram. Um, and Twitter is Stacy Ladasaw at Stacy Ladasaw. So, yeah, those networks, uh, platforms. I'm sorry, I can be reached there.
2: Good enough. <laughs> Great. Well, (laughs) Stacy, it's been a a serious pleasure. And uh, you know, congratulations to, you know, where your journey's taken you. And thank you so much for all the music. You know, I know it was a long time ago, but we all still appreciate it so much.
0: Thank you so much for your time and thank you for having me on your show. I do appreciate it. And blessings to you.
1: Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also much gratitude to pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers joining truth and rhythms membership program at patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying everything is on the one the first guide to funk book at amazon, shopping at the funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your amazon purchases. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX well Find saying, keep on vibing to the rhythm of the one.